Hey, not to diminish or disparage the efforts of anyone else, but this was all about Najee Harris. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning from Cleveland. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into Hockey and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. Steelers 15, Browns 10. Doesn't begin to tell the multi-layered story that led into the strange score. But that's where it wound up. And it wound up there principally. Because a team that's very good at stopping the run couldn't stop Najee. They couldn't do it. The stats aren't going to blow anyone away. And so far, that's been pretty much universally true of Najee in his very early NFL career. 26 carries for 91 yards. That's a 3.5 average that gets no one excited his longest run was 11 yards his longest actual play was 20 yards that was on a catch and run he had three catches for 29 yards none of this is going to get you to go yes this was the game he broke through he did it they had no answer for him well they didn't have an answer for him but Not necessarily in the way you'd normally say when raving about a running back's performance. I have a couple of things to say about Najee today. The first of those being that he is the engine here. He's the motor that has the offense moving. Yes, there were other things that played into the Steelers' victory. I thought Ben Roethlisberger made, for the most part, good decisions. Had a a couple of terrific passes, notably the one on which Pat Fryermuth made the even better catch for a touchdown. Deontay Johnson did his thing. Chase Claypool had four catches. Um, I already mentioned Fryermuth. The offensive line had its own pluses to it. And we could get into a whole bunch of things on the defensive side of the ball. But when you're talking about what's the most consistent component to this whole football team right now, it's Najee. It is. It is. He's been that solid in that nobody's really stopped him. There have been periods within games where nothing happened, and especially early on when the offensive line was really just flailing, trying to figure itself out. But since that whole scenario has somewhat normalized What you've seen from Najee is that he remains a weapon 
for the duration of the game. That in and of itself is a W for an NFL running back, regardless of their experience level. The Browns would have loved nothing more, if you want to take this from the other perspective, and maybe this is the the more pertinent one. Kevin Stefanski and everyone on that side of the football for Cleveland would have loved nothing more than to render the Steelers' offense one-dimensional and to have that one dimension not be Najee Harris. But they couldn't do it because he would keep finding a way to squirt through or to shove through, find his holes, make sure he hangs on to the football, do smart things. That was a, a word that Ben Roethlisberger used to describe Najee's maturation out there, that he's he's doing smart running. He's not just, you know, relying on raw athleticism. He's doing things out there that make sense, that make game sense. He's getting yards that are needed. He's getting to places that he needs to go. He's getting to the sticks when that's needed. And he keeps doing it again and again and again. And because of that, because of that, the opponent can't do everything that it wants to do and probably feels really confident that it could do if it weren't for Najee. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, whether it's a flexible hybrid format. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. There was a lot to not like about this overall performance, even if we're just staying on the offense. Uh, I'm not going to be a Pollyanna and paint this picture with just you know one color. There were a lot of things that could have been better. But if there was one thing that I would circle that maybe impressed me the most from a progress standpoint, it's that, at least from my view, the Steelers' passing game and running game finally seemed to find some kind of back-and-forth balance to the point where, be honest here now, even just watching the game from wherever you watched it, Did you really ever feel certain that they were going to throw the ball or certain that they were going to run the ball? In any situation, second and long, third and short, whatever it was, there was a constant element of unpredictability, which is one of the goals that Matt Canada had set for the offense coming into the season. Unpredictability wasn't just about you know, misdirection and movement and some of the college-level stuff that Canada brought up to the NFL, it was also about not being sure, not being sure whether or not the team was going to run or pass and effectively disguising 
both of those things. Now, a lot of that does go on Ben himself because of the RPOs. It's run-pass options. Ben makes a lot of those calls right there at the line of scrimmage. Ben makes some of those calls after the ball's been snapped, as we found out and as he kind of playfully conceded after this game. But it felt like more than ever, I thought, in this game yesterday here, that there was a balance. I asked Najee about that. Najee, is this the best balance that you guys have had, the best mix of run and pass, back and forth? Um, yeah, you can say that. Um, we're just trying to keep stacking bricks, though. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to keep trying to be more, you know, run the ball and obviously doing the passes and RPOs that we're doing. We're just trying to, you know, find our identity. We're, we're finding our identity and what we do, and, you know, we're going to keep pushing forward stacking bricks. Yeah, that's really the way to look at it. Again, it's not about numbers. And I ended up asking a similar question of other players, including Ben. And it's funny, when I asked Ben, uh, he, he first kind of gave like a, a little bit of a, a, a quizzical look because I think he thought I was asking about some sort of, you know, weighted performance, and, and I wasn't. I was looking way more at an intangible. This felt like the run and the pass balanced. And that's to the credit of everyone involved, but it's ultimately to the credit of this extraordinary running back. Remember the debate whenever... Najee was drafted, including just before he was drafted, about how you know the running back doesn't make all the difference. The offensive line makes all the difference. There's a lot of merits to that argument in a lot of different ways, depending on how you spell it out. But the one thing that you can't argue is that several different running backs now for the Steelers have run behind the same offensive line with the same scheme. And these guys can't run to the edge of their nose. And here again, Kalen Bellage, one carry for minus three yards. Anthony McFarland, we were all making such a big deal about Anthony McFarland coming back, making his debut and everything else. One carry for one yard. And we've seen the same thing throughout the year with whoever they've put out there, notably Benny Snell. This is the same setup. The difference, the one difference, is the running back. Yes, Najee is naturally way more talented than the other guys. We know that. I'm not breaking any news here. But I am saying that this is about the running back. What we're witnessing is about the running back. He's the stabilizing force. He's the foundation of this offense. And never, never was that more obvious than yesterday here in Cleveland. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. And that's always brought to you by the personal injury law firm. Of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG, they represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been making and keeping promises in our region for over 80 
years. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's J1Q comes from Doug, who says, I am not a Mike Tomlin hater. I truly appreciate his organizational and people skills and his dedication. That said, he has no or little feel for the game. The fake field goal is the new low for in-game decisions. Can you possibly explain what possesses him to do such things? I can, Doug, but I would start by putting the question back to you. How would you feel? Legitimately, not in hindsight, legitimately, if that fake field goal worked. If all that happened was that Boswell rolled to his right and he had three targets and there was just enough of a pull to get the Browns away from Pat Fryermuth and it turned out to be a routine touchdown, how would you feel? Yeah, I know. I know. I can never get anybody to change their minds on stuff like this because once you get mad, you get mad. Fact of the matter is, Steelers practice that play all the time. And it's usually a breeze. This time, everything, well, not everything, most everything went wrong. And Boswell, when he rolled out, correctly saw that Fryermuth was not single-covered, but double-covered, and even if he had completed the pass to Fryermuth, it wasn't going to go anywhere, so he tried to go over Fryermuth to get it to Zach Gentry. That didn't work out either, although the pass was actually pretty good. And then, and then, Boz gets creamed with a cheap shot to the helmet. So, naturally, all kinds of connections are made here. Well, Tomlin got his kicker hurt, and as if Tomlin was somehow responsible for the Cleveland player taking a helmet-to-helmet cheap shot that, to be honest with you, if that player really, really wanted to hurt Boswell, he could have done it on a kick. He could have done it on a kick. But no one ever thinks about how they would have felt if a play like that goes well. I'm here to tell you, speaking for myself, I didn't like the fake field goal try. I was convinced very early in this game that there wasn't going to be a lot of scoring, and I was going to value a three-point lead and going into the locker room with a three-point lead a lot more than I was any kind of potential push from getting uh, you know additional momentum from the touchdown, never mind the extra points. This was going to be more important to me. But I wasn't going to sit there And this is something I'm not going to do retroactively and say, well, you know, I don't know. I'd like to run this play, but I'm worried that the defender might take two and a half to three extra steps and cream my kicker in the face with his helmet and knock him out and not have a flag called. That wasn't going to be something that shows up on my list of concerns. Players can get hurt on every single play. You just don't think about it. You don't, you know, the reason that you have your kicker roll out, by the way, one reason is so that he doesn't 
get put into a spot where he's sitting in the pocket and is a sitting duck. You move him to the outsides. It shouldn't happen. It was an illegal play. That's not something that you hold Tomlin responsible for. Now, that said, Tomlin took one billion percent responsibility for the entire sequence. You know, um, the fake field goal, man, was a bad call because we poorly executed it. And so I take responsibility for that. I appreciate the guys back in my play and fighting for 60 minutes and delivering victory and making it a side note. I'll ask you this too, Doug, before I let you go. What are the things that you saw in the game that made you think to yourself, huh, this Tomlin, he's really got a feel for the game. I mean, there's there's some things clearly that went into this uh, this victory. You know, what are those things? Are they whatever you're referring to here, organizational slash people skills, rah-rah guy, uh, players coach, and all that, that, that stuff that you would think would have gone away a long time ago from these types of conversations. Somebody did something strategically to win this game. Is it okay to say that? You say you're not a Tomlin hater, but this is everything that these people say. Everything, verbatim, top to bottom. I'm not picking on you, Doug, but you sent this here. This was a really good W for this football team. And yes, the Steelers coaches, plural, led by their head coach, outcoached Kevin Stefanski and his staff. They did. There were all kinds of adjustments made all over the field. Why does no one talk about them? A, not many of them are going to get very easily recognized. you got to be somebody that's really, really following football or spent some part of their lives in football. And B, they're just not as glaring as something like this. Fake field goal. If it works, it's great. If it doesn't work, dumbest coach alive. And also, the only decision that he made in that game, apparently. I appreciate the question, Doug. I do. I, and I don't mean to end this on a negative note, but I always would rather have the J1Q portion of this show reflect the feedback that I get. And the fact of the matter is, is that even after all this good stuff happened, to the Steelers yesterday, the bulk of what I got was this thing about this fake field goal that ended up honestly not mattering other than Boswell getting hurt, which could have happened in any capacity. And for what it's worth, Ben told us that he thinks Boz is okay, so it doesn't sound like it's going to be some kind of long-term problem anyway. Anyway, I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow when I'm back in Pittsburgh. Oh, 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 oh,